Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. And um, last week, we... uh, are challenged with what our love for the brethren, for the church, uh, really is supposed to look like. And again, to evaluate that, do we really love each other the way that uh, we are supposed to, and are we just saying that we love each other, or does that really uh, work out in the way that we treat each other? Um, and again, the Spirit had inspired John Uh, to paint the picture in the scriptures that we saw of what love isn't first. And so what we saw was love isn't uh, hate, which we see in the story of Cain and Abel. And so we saw that, and we saw that hate takes. Uh, That's one of the things that we talked about, and we talked about the fact that hate takes and love gives. Every time, love gives. And we see the greatest example of that, God so loved the world that he gave. And so um, that's what... Love does, and we were challenged to see if uh, we had stopped loving each other uh, in some way, in some form or fashion, whether it was uh, giving to others a smile, giving to others a hug, um, a conversation, uh, help, whatever the case is, somebody in need. uh, We had stopped uh, because maybe we have found ourselves in a place of being a taker and not operating in love and being a giver. Uh, we're challenged on why that might be. Uh, if you were here, we, we talked about different things. You know, somebody hurt your feelings. Somebody didn't do what you wanted them to do. Somebody did something you didn't want them to do. Uh, somebody didn't do something you expected them to do. Or you had assumptions, and those assumptions were uh, let down. Again, m- so many things happen that we end up allowing to affect our love for the brethren. And that's just not supposed to be because we're commanded to love one another as he loved us. And so that means regardless of shortcomings, remember we, we even mentioned that verse this morning, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrated his love, he commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us when we were not lovable. He loved us when we were unworthy of being loved. And so that's what Christ-like, godly love, especially seen in the body of Christ is supposed to look like. When we see what um, our love is, when when it's actually lived out in our lives, the world should look at that and say, that's unique. I've never been a part of a group of people that love like that. I've never been a part of a group of people that can can forgive like that, can can continue to give and love and serve and, and, and do that for each other despite all the 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 problems and shortcomings and failures and again that's what jesus said would be so distinguishable uh for us as the people of god and he says this is how people are going to know you're my disciples is the love that you have one for another one another and so again we're challenged to uh really evaluate that and uh the final thing we saw was yet another confirmation of salvation so we We've kind of gone through this study, and 1 John's a really good uh, kind of evaluation of salvation. Um, one of the main things, that, of course, we've been talking about is love. Uh, but another thing that we've, we've seen, and it was, again, brought out last week, was uh, a confirmation that you're saved is the fact that the Holy Spirit is inside of you. 
The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, His presence in us. And we know that Scripture teaches that the moment that you get saved is the moment the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. The moment the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. Um, the moment you accept that free gift of salvation, place your faith in Jesus Christ, repent of the, the life of sin, repent of, uh, of, of the direction you're going and turn to Christ in faith. The moment that that happens, the Spirit of God comes in, does a washing work, does a regeneration work, and again, makes his abode, his home, in, in your heart, in your life. And uh, we talked about how do you know then? How, how do I know? I feel like I've done all that. I, I feel like I should have the Spirit of God in me. How do I know for sure that the Spirit of God is inside of me? And uh, we pointed to Galatians chapter 5 where it points out the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the, 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 what shows us is the, the, uh, the proof of the, the, the Spirit in us. And we asked the question, what's the very first on the list of the, of the fruit of the Spirit? And it was love. And so again, when we see one of those, the, 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 the greatest thing that we could do is to love as, as Christ loved us. And it's one of those evidences of the Spirit in us. It's, it's that uniqueness that sets us apart as the people of God. It's all those things. Um, and so this evening we move forward and look into chapter 4. And uh, hopefully you, you'll be able to stay with me and, and not get carried away with any violent screams out there. Um, so <laughs> let's pray. And we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for allowing us to be here. And we thank you for, uh, just as it's already been said this evening, for all you're doing uh, in Trinity Baptist Temple, Lord. We, um, we're just thankful to be able to see you work. Lord, so thankful to see the blessings poured out. And even as uh, we were cautioned and warned last week, uh, we, we realized that we were seeing some of that go on almost on a daily basis, and that is the attacks of the enemy. The enemy knows how to attack, and he knows what to attack and when to attack. Lord, he knows when you're working, and he sees when your people begin to rally together and become unified for the cause that you've called us to, and he knows how to, um, to extinguish that pretty quick. And, and Lord, we know that his, his greatest work is to divide. And so I, I just ask you again, once again tonight, that you would help us to fight that fight, Lord, that we would... Um, we would stay unified. That we would not allow the enemy uh, to come in subtle ways to divide us um, in any way. And that we would be united in truth. That we'd be united in, in spirit, in your spirit. And tonight, again, may it be one of those moments that we are able to do that as we look to your word. And I ask that you would just move now and uh, bless this time. And we ask all of this and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have your Bibles there in 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, verse 1, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out in the world. And we know we've already talked about the Antichrist, spirit of Antichrist. We've mentioned that in chapter 2. Uh, but he's kind of touching on a similar thing right now. And he's saying, but because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And then he says this, Hereby know, we this, this, know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now already is in the world. Verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, those 
The spirits of Antichrist, those spirits that are in the world, those evil spirits, you've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, the one that's possessing and driving those evil spirits. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that, heareth, uh, he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Again, there, this is such a needful thing in today's uh, day and time. There's so much information out there. There's so much um, religious information out there. There is so, I would say, misinformation out there. There's so much uh, for you to listen to and to read and, and books. And, and, and I want to say, I'm not, I'm not going to say this to discourage this, because I think this is a good thing, but we get questions all the time on, hey, do you think this is a good book to read? Hey, what do you think about this author? And, 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 and we appreciate that, but I'll tell you this, there is a bunch of junk out there. There is a bunch of junk, and a lot of it can sound really good. I can't tell you how many times that I've heard somebody say, I read this book, or, or what do you think about this book? And maybe I've looked through a book or read a book and, and thought, man, you gotta, there's some good stuff in there, but you've got to spit out so many bones. You know, It's just kind of discouraging. You know? Eat a little bit of the meat and spit out most of the bones. And so, um, but we know that is so prevalent in, in our society today. And again, even in the, the religious, even in the, I'm saying this because it's even included in the Christian realm, I read an article just this week that um, Benny Hinn, anybody read anything on Benny Hinn this week? Yeah, Benny Hinn supposedly uh, repented of the prosperity gospel. Again, because it's happened before. Uh, and uh, he's got a nephew that basically has uh, exposed his, um, his ministry and doctrine, that, that whole uh, ministry of or the, the, the doctrine of prosperity and uh, he was even asked on what he thought about his uncle's newest and latest kind of repenting of the prosperity gospel and if you on the surface read it I, I'm, I'm not trying to judge his heart I don't I don't know him I, I just know the gospel that he or the false gospel and the false doctrine teachings that he has had uh, were absolutely that false and, and wrong um, and but his, his nephew seems to know him, and he said that he saw even some showmanship and some things in even the latest thing that causes him to concern. So he was going to take a wait-and-see uh, position and, uh, before he had a, a decision on whether he thought his uncle was sincere in this. But, uh, I mean, you think about this. This is somebody who is in the Christian realm. Again, I, I do that because I, I don't consider that Christian. Now, I'm not saying anybody who has ever listened to Benny Hinn or followed them couldn't be a Christian. Again, I am not God, and I can't judge hearts like that. Only that's between them and God. Um, but I will say this. I believe he has made, led countless millions of people astray Amen. in the teachings that he has taught. And so, again, and, and I've heard people even who have, and not necessarily been a hen, but have, have been in our church, visited our church, and, and maybe even have been a part of our church at different times, refer to certain people who are false prophets and say, I just love, I just, this is great. And, and I say, man, that is so dangerous. It's dangerous to entertain the spirit of Antichrist. It's dangerous to entertain the spirit of error. And again, that's why God gives us in his word very clear instructions on how to go about deciphering truth from error, right from wrong, uh, what to follow and, not, and what not to follow. And so uh, here we see this warning not to believe every spirit. 
Because we know that there is, there's a lot of spirits out there. When I say spirit, uh, you and I are driven by a spirit. If we're, the, if we're of God, we're driven, supposed to be driven by the Holy Spirit. And so we know that there are various spirits in the world. And that's what he's referring to, believe not every spirit. The word is pneuma in the Greek. And it can refer to uh, a breath of air, a, a passing of wind. Um, it, can, it can be talking about air. It can be talking about spirit, as in the spirit of man that, that is inside of every single one of us. It can be talking about the spirit of God when it's referring to God's spirit. And so again, um, there's all those things that it encapsulates. So what spirits then are we not to believe? If there's all these kind of spirits in the world, what spirits are we specifically not to believe? And how should we test them? How should we try them if he says to try the spirits, whether they're of God or not? Um, so in your notes there, it's very clear and praise God. He doesn't leave us hanging on a cliff wondering how do we tell what's right from wrong? How do we know who to listen to or who not to listen to? Verse 2 and verse 3, that's where the litmus test is found. And it's to be made of all spirits. It's to be made of every voice. So me, somebody in our church, a teacher, a small group leader, um, I'm asking, test whatever said, test it, try it, because I am not God. This is God's word. And so everything that comes out has to be tested by what we see in Scripture. And so here's how you know the spirit of God from the spirits that you shouldn't believe or you shouldn't listen to, you shouldn't follow. Verse 2, every spirit that confesseth that, Je that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So then you kind of get into a little bit further questioning of, well, okay, so to confess, what does that mean really? I mean, if you were to say every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, he's come in the flesh, is of God, and everyone that doesn't is, an, is the spirit of Antichrist, um, I mean, what does that mean, confessing that Jesus has come in the flesh. See, to confess means an absolute acknowledging of who Jesus is and the message that he brought. That confessing is saying that he is God, that he is Messiah. That means that he is, as he says he was in John 14, the only way, the truth, and the life. Again, so when we confess that Jesus is that, then we know that this is what it means. To confess means to confess everything about Christ and everything that he is and um, accept that. To confess this means that everything else is guilty. Anything else outside of that is guilty. And Jesus, in answering his disciples' uh, request of what the signs of his coming were to be and what the end of time was going to be, and John chapter 24 warned them, and he, and he said that. He said, see that no one leads you astray. He gave them. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He gave them the teachings from the Father, and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All that the Father's given me, I've given to you. I mean, all, this is very clearly the only truth we need to stand on. So again, anything contrary to the message of Christ, anything, anything contrary to the doctrine that Christ gave to the apostles, and we'll see that in just a little bit, and then the apostles delivered to the church is, again, that spirit of antichrist. Paul would warn the Galatians who were being pestered and who were being distracted and being, and being carried away 
uh, by a group called the Judaizers, uh, he warned them in, in chapter 1, right off the bat in, in his letter to the Galatians, and he says this to them in, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He says, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> I can't believe that it's been this easy and this quick that you moved from the gospel of grace to another gospel. But then he clears this up. He says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you. So there's, he said, let's, let's make this clear. You've, you've moved from the gospel of grace, the true gospel, the one and only gospel that was delivered to you. And you moved from, an, from that to another gospel. But let's make this clear. There is no other gospel, he said. But there be some that trouble you and, and, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And then he says this. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now you realize that Paul was, was pronouncing that on his own life as well. He said, even if we or an angel from heaven comes and says, hey, here's the new gospel. So what does that say about uh, Jehovah's Witnesses? What does that say about Mormons? You see what I'm saying? That, that's another gospel. And so that's what so he said, let them be accursed. There is no other gospel than the gospel that was delivered that Jesus himself brought and gave to the apostles and commissioned them to take to the uttermost part of the world. He said, there's no other gospel. And so if anybody else, even from an angel from heaven, you know, again, what does that say about, um, which is not in Christianity, what does it say about Islam? Again, there, there, you can go on and on and on. There is no other gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ that's able to save our souls. And so Paul says, it doesn't matter who comes and says anything. It's the only way. It's the only gospel. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you, then that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If I, if I was trying to please men, then I wouldn't be serving Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but it was given by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we've seen that if we have the Spirit of God in us already, we've seen in, in past studies, that that spirit, the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are his. That's what scripture says. And so our person bears witness. The people that we are have been changed into a new person in Christ. And his spirit now bears witness with our spirit inside that we are the children of God. We have all of this because of his truth, because of the gospel. We'd have no other way, no other means of this if it wasn't for the gospel. And so there you have it, the litmus test of whether somebody is preaching the truth or somebody is antichrist, whether, how do I test whether this is of God or not? The litmus test is confession of Jesus Christ. That's the litmus test. And again, we talked about the confession. It's, it means he is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the anointed one from God. He is sent from God. The God the Son to be the Savior. He is Lord. He is Lord of all. He is the only worthy sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. He is the risen King. He is Almighty God, the everlasting Father, as Isaiah said. 
And so when you say, I confess Jesus, that's what you're confessing. It's not just some fairy tale character, some biblical character. It's not some uh, good idea. It is a confession of all he is that you accept that uh, wholeheartedly with your whole being. And so you test everything by truth. You test everything by the gospel. You test everything by whether they confess Jesus Christ has come from God and allow the Spirit to guide you in that truth. And so again, if you have the Spirit of God in you, if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God in you. If you're saved, His Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are His. If you're saved, you've heard the gospel, you've confessed Christ as Lord, you have all these resources in your person, in your hands. You have the truth. And we've seen that one of the great resources being the Spirit of God inside of us, that's one of his roles in, in John chapter 16. Again, we've already looked at this, but I want to look at it again in verse 13. How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that, he shall, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. This is Jesus talking. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So again, sometimes we, we are, are more prone to rely on our flesh and our own fleshly intellect. And um, the Bible tells us how, how short that falls compared to what God offers. And I just want to encourage you tonight, if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And if you will seek his face, and if you will dig into his truth and ask for the wisdom that we've already talked about, God will, his spirit will lead you. That's what he says. He will guide you into all truth. God uses vessels. He uses pastors, preachers, teachers. Uh, he uses people that are uh, to, to teach and proclaim. He uses that. But it's not us. It's his truth. It's, it's his word. That's, that's the... Uh, he, the Bible says use the, the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. And, and it's, it's, it's the fact that he would use somebody who is unworthy, the fact that he would use somebody who is insufficient to proclaim something that is absolutely sufficient. And all wisdom is the phenomenal thing. That's what confounds the wise. I mean, that, that's what it is phenomenal, that he would use base things uh, to proclaim such a phenomenal truth. So the next time you hear something that you're not sure about, you're not quite sure about, I don't know, try the Spirit. Don't just say, oh, wonderful, I'm going to post that too. You know, <laughs> That's an easy click. No. <laughs> the next time that somebody says, oh, you should read this book, don't say, oh, great, just start reading it. You know? I mean, try the spirits, try, try, whether they are of God. Again, try it with a litmus test of Scripture. And truth and pray and ask God for wisdom and ask for the spirit to lead you in truth and again I'm not trying to negate the what God had the Bible very clearly in Ephesians says that he gives pastors and teachers and he gives people to the church and, and, and apostles and, and uh, missionaries and evangelists he gives those people for for help and for direction and for teaching and for admonishing and for equipping of the saints he he gives that to the church so absolutely you got a, a, a life group leader you got a uh, you got an elder, you got a deacon, you got somebody, a spiritual pastor. Absolutely, there's no problem in asking them. But don't neglect the, the resources that you have already in you and what God has already given to you. Do all of that. And then if you need that godly counsel, which is wise to seek, then ask somebody.
who is going to give you truth and direct you in the right way, uh, which, again, we've already talked about before. They're going to, it's going to come from God's Word, not their opinion. If anybody ever tells you something like, well, I don't think that's a, that big of a deal, you know, I, I would just question that. <laughs> like, unless they have, like, I don't think that's a big of a deal um, because, you know, God's Word tells us this, you know. Okay, now let me pray about that. Let me filter that counsel with prayer and God's Word, and then I'll go from there. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's important to do that. But again, if you're seeking for truth and you're seeking God's spirit to lead you, he'll do it. He'll lead you in truth, especially, and here, here's, I think, a key, especially if you're sincere in your motive, especially if you really want to know the truth and you want to be guided by the spirit of truth um, and you want to glorify God in all this, I believe God will lead you in that. I believe that he will, he will lead you in the right direction. But uh, there's still, a lot of people are intimidated by all of the information, by all of the stuff that's out there. There's a lot of people that are uh, intimidated uh, with uh, just the overwhelming amount of information and people and, and resources and, and all this stuff. And, and so it's just too much. There's so many educated people. There's so many people that sound so good and they're so eloquent and they sound so right and they're on TV and millions of people are following. So many people, I mean, they are passionate. They are fiery. They, 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 they persuade. They're so persuasive. So much. See, God, God makes things simple. It's the enemy that makes things complex. You know, when we, when we look in, in, in how God worked, while it is beyond our thoughts and our ways, he makes it so simple. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you come like this child. It's just simple. Trust me. What does that look like? Follow me. Forsake everything you have and follow me. Oh. <laughs> that, whoa. I have eternal life. It's the only way you have life. Come to me. Again, he makes it simple. It's the enemy that makes it complex and everything else. So the Spirit inspires John to write these words, I believe, of, of comfort to uh, the readers that he, he's writing to. He says in verse 4 again, you of God, little children, have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's no reason to be worried or stressed or overwhelmed. And you say, man, there's just so much. Listen, the spirit in you is greater than any spirit in the world. Even the spirit of the enemy. Satan himself, again, is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. Aha. Did you catch that? They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world listens to them. <clears throat> the spirit of error speaks a message that the world hears and receives. It's a little bit different than what we see uh, Paul saying that they experienced. And he wrote to the Corinthians, again, similar to what I said a while ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, But we preach Christ crucified. And to the Jews, it's a stumbling block because they don't accept Jesus as the Messiah, even still to this day. So Christ is a stumbling block to them. I, I was watching an interview. I've, I've watched a couple of them now with um, uh, this guy named Ben Shapiro. And uh, the other, the interview was one, one was with John MacArthur. 
and the other one, I don't even know this guy's name, but he was a, a biblical, he was a, an apologist as well. And, was it? No, no, I saw that one too. But there was, there was another one. I mean, he's had these interviews, and I'm thinking, Ben Shapiro's going to get saved. I mean, golly. Uh, I don't know, you're, you're sitting down, there's these guys that you just can't, I mean, they're, they're going through the, the whole counsel of God's word and sharing this, but uh, he just refuses to accept Christ as the Messiah. I mean, literally can, can line up with everything in the, in the Old Covenant, but when it comes to the New Covenant, the blood of Christ, and in this New Testament age, that he can't, he can't get to Christ being the Messiah. And they have one excuse after the other, and, and it just makes me think of even some of the parables that Jesus taught when he was walking this earth, when I, when I hear him try to give his argument. Um, but that's what it says, we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews as a stumbling block, to the Greeks as foolishness, because again, the Greeks were into, uh, and similar to us today, Western culture, uh, are into um, thought and uh, feelings and culture and, and all those things come from, from, from that Western, uh, the, the Greek uh, influence there. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. See, the, the message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, it doesn't please the lost ear. It doesn't. So think about what happened to you when you were lost and you heard the gospel. The, 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 the fact that um, you got saved was the good part about it. And the good part was you, you saw the hope and you saw the invitation but if you truly got saved, you felt conviction. It was not pleasing to you. It was not like, oh, yay, you know. It, when you heard the gospel and you realized you were a lost sinner and that it was for you that Christ died for, he shed his blood on the cross for you, there was conviction that came. There was, there was sorrow, godly sorrow, that led you to repentance. And it, and it was a brokenness that, that caused you in, in faith to cry out to him to save you as you accepted that free gift of salvation. So again, to the lost ear, the gospel is not pleasing. So it's only good news for good soil. That's what Jesus taught. The, 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 the seed falls on different types of soil, but it's only in the good soil that it takes root and springs up and brings forth fruit and it lasts. And so again, if at any time something is preached that pleases the lost world and it doesn't point to Christ, it's not of God. And so again, I, I, I see the landscape of Christianity today and even in America and, and, and praise God the blessings that he's pouring out on, on, uh, on churches and, and, and fellowships uh, all around this nation who are doing the work and are pointing to Christ and preaching the gospel and passionate about doing it God's way and God's hands on them and, and, and thousands and maybe millions of people are following them and uh, a part of that mission but I'm just telling you right now, there are millions of people that are showing up weekend after weekend. And the reason why they keep coming is because they're of the world and they're hearing things that please them. And so we have got to be, we've got to make sure that we're putting this litmus test out to what we hear. And Christ is the incarnate word. He is the truth. He said that, I'm the way, the truth. He is the incarnate word. He was the word made flesh. And what did the world do with the word of God made flesh? What, so think about that. If he says, look, they, they're of the world because um, they, they, the world hears them. The world listens to them. What, what, what they have is pleasing to the world. 
So when we look at what Jesus, again, Jesus is the word. He is the truth. He, he is the incarnate word. And when he came to this earth, what did the world do with him? Did, that, did the world say, oh, we love to hear what you have to say. Oh, well, we just could listen to you all day long. Well, some people were following him because of all the mighty works that he did. It said that multitudes did. But when he came and he, and he gave them the truth of what salvation says, listen, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Whoop, they gone. <laughs> you know, I don't want to have any part of that. You know, I don't, you're talking about everything. You're talking about giving you everything. You're talking about following you no matter what. That an all-consuming God, you know, and many went away. And Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. Are you going to also go away? And so in John chapter 1, we see what the world did. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same John came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not, John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Listen, look at verse 10. Here it is. He was in the world, the word, the word that was in the beginning that was made. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The world, he came, to the, he came into his own creation, and the creation didn't acknowledge the creator, didn't know the creator. He came into his own, and his own received of not. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which are born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor, the, nor of man, the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So again, we see the word of God, the truth made flesh, dwelling among, the, 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 uh, among man, in the world, and the world said, we don't know you, we don't want you. But those who were his received him. John ends the, the section there, and back in 1 John, with this, he says, we are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If you look back in, in, in your Bibles, or if we're able to put 4 through 6 on the screen, there are very clear pronouns that start every one of those verses. Look at verse 4. It says, you. Very clear. In the Greek, it's emphatic. You. You, who's he talking to? You readers who are supposed to be followers, who are supposed to be uh, believers in Jesus Christ, who are in God. You. And then in verse 5, they, very emphatic, they, who is he talking about? The Antichrist, those who are the spirit of error, those who uh, are, are, are spirits that we shouldn't listen to. And then in verse 6, we, the apostles. And you know what he said in all of this that the distinction was? The distinction of each one of these is found in who they listen to. What influences in their life? And the same is for today. And that's in your notes. Distinction is found in who you listen to. Who, who, who has the influence in your life? Is it, is, it, is it other people, other Christians even, who may not be giving you biblical counsel? Or are you being influenced by the Word of God through the Spirit of God? It's good to be influenced by other Christians who are using the Word of God to 
to speak into your life and to give you counsel and to, and, to, and to give you their thoughts based off of Scripture. Again, but we have to make sure that we are the we and not the them. <laughs> that we are listening to the us, which are the apostles. And that's what, that's what he's saying. Uh, see, the world listens to the satanically influenced thought. And that is something that is so prevalent. Satanic thought is so prevalent. And when we think satanic, we think like, like evil, like horns, red, you know, like, like, oh, that is just so wicked. But that's not how, that's not how Satan came to Eve, right? How did, Eve, how did Satan come to Eve? Very subtle. And even using some of, some of uh, what God had said and bringing doubt to what God had said, right? Did God really say that? And, and, and so he, there was... There was a little bit of familiarity. He played on, their weak, on her weaknesses. He, he, he enticed her. He was very subtle. It was something that was pleasing, the Bible says. It was pleasing uh, to her side. And so, again, the world is completely consumed by that, right? That, that's the way our world runs. Do You do you. You do what you want to do, you know? Nike has it. Just do it, you know? I mean, that's, that, that's, that's the theme of, of the world. The, the spirit of the world is, is you, you make a way for yourself. You get your own. You look out for you and you alone. And, you know, you get, you know, make sure you are taking care of you first, right? That, that's, what, that's what it said, you know. And, and, and you see it in the corporate world. Um, you see people willing to, I mean, stab people in the back to get theirs, right? I'm going to get me and mine. You know, I, I've shared that quote before. I, I love that movie, uh, Remember the Titans. I, I, I shared it a couple, couple years ago, I think, at our leadership conference. And uh, just um, there's so many, like, leadership principles, so many great examples in that movie that, that I love. Uh, and it's a sports movie, football movie. So, uh, But I think there's so much that is, is applicable. And um, one, of the, um, one of the examples that, that I loved is, is they are uh, just completely divided as a team still they haven't come together and uh everybody it's just long we're going to go to three days and we'll keep going until you guys decide you want to play together as a team essentially and so uh the coach decides he's going to put them together uh with somebody of the opposite uh, opposite race and they're going to learn about them and uh so some of them are reluctant some of them um, are embracing it and uh the the two main defensive stars they got to they gotta talk to each other, you know. And so after one of the practices, they're wore out, and, and the, uh, uh, the white guy walks up to the black guy, and he says, all right, I'm not doing any more of these three-day practices. He says, so let's just get some of these particulars down, and, and uh, that way we can get, get this over with. And the black guy says, you know, you don't, you don't want to know nothing about me. And he says, what are you talking about, man? You know, and he's like, you don't care nothing about me or knowing anything about me. And... Uh, he says, look, I'm not going to go through this anymore. And uh, he goes, um, you know, because this is what it's going to cost the team. He kind of goes on and on about it. And uh, he said, um, uh, no, you know, I'm, I'm going to, no, I, I'm, you want me to worry about you. You want me to worry about that. No, no, no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look out for me, and I'm going to get mine. And, uh, and the, the, the white guy who's supposed to be the captain of the defense, he says, he said, man, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's a sorry attitude. And he said, attitude reflects leadership, sir, our captain. And, uh, and I thought, man, but that, that's, that is the spirit of the world. I'm going to look out for me, and I'm going to get mine. And, um, 
So we have this thought, this satanic influence thought that causes us to look at ourselves. Like, what, what works for me? What do I want? What, what, what's best for me? When Jesus came and he taught something completely different. He said, hey, you need to be looking out for the other person first. You need to, in love, consider one another. You need to serve one another in love. You need to esteem one another in love. You need to prefer and honor preferring one another. Again, there's a completely different thought. And so the satanically influenced thought that, that permeates uh, our culture uh, isn't just, you know, the, the blatant wickedness that we see, uh, the vile stuff that comes out of Hollywood and it's on the internet. It's not just that. It's also very subtle things that pull us into thinking and lifestyle and influence away from biblical truth and kingdom living. And so again, that's, that's what I'm saying. We've got we to gotta be careful because we've got to try the spirits. Because if not, we still have flesh and it's easy for us to get pulled in that way that's so cunning and so crafty and so enticing and so easy because it's, it's again, pleasing to the flesh. But the righteous listen to the Holy Spirit-inspired truth. So the world listens, listens, those that are lost in the world, they listen to satanically influenced thought, but those who are righteous listen to the Holy Spirit-inspired truth. And that's something that you know. If you're, if you're a child of God, it resonates with the Spirit of God inside you. That's why, and I'm not saying that you have to say amen. I'm not saying that you have to say anything during messages or during lessons or Bible studies or anything like that. But inside of you, it happens, whether it comes out of your mouth or not. When truth is spoken and it resonates with your spirit, again, I, I, I do it when I'm reading by myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the Bible by myself. I'm like, amen, yes, that is awesome. I love that, you know. And I'm just talking a little, thank you, Lord. You know, I'm like, I just, I love that, you know, and so, but it happens to you, you have the same spirit, and, and, and that is what, what you hear, what you listen to, and that, this is a major distinguishing factor, so tonight I'm going to wrap it up, you know, who, this is a question, who has your ear? Who has your ear? Does the world, or does the spirit of truth, does, does, does the Lord, is he have your ear? Is that who you're listening to? Is that who has the pull? And, and, and again, what direction are you really being pulled? I had a conversation with, uh, me and Brother Jackson had a conversation with um, another um, uh, men's ministry leader down the street. And uh, we're excited. We've got a, an event that we're going to be doing with them in October. And uh, we were just talking about men and the importance of, of men being leaders and, and uh, how easy it is for men even to uh, get pulled into some of those worldly relationships. Maybe some of those friendships that are still uh, with people that are not interested at all in living for the Lord. They're completely living for, for themselves, for sin, for the world. And um, it's okay to have friends like that. It's okay to, to minister to them and try to reach them and, and to be Christ to them and share truth with them and try to have that biblical influence. But listen to me. This is what we're talking about. If those people have your ear and they're pulling you, that's a dangerous road to be going down. Because that's what's pulling, that's what's speaking into your life. And as a child of God, it's pulling you away from God's will and what God wants to tell you. And so you have to answer the question, who or what has the greatest pull in your life? 
What is, what is speaking into your life? And again, this is the te- test of truth and error. I think good questions, a uh, good challenge to end with tonight. Who has your ear? Who, who, who has your ear? Who are you listening to? Are you more influenced by God's truth or the world's thoughts? Let, let that be the last question that we, we think about tonight. Are you more influenced by God's truth in your life? Are you more influenced by God's truth or worldly thought? And so um, I just want to encourage you, be in God's word. Be able to sit in a service like this. Be able to listen to a podcast. Be able to watch a YouTube sermon or interview or, or have a conversation with a Christian coworker or, or somebody. And be able to know what truth is from error. And again, God's giving the resources, giving the ability to do it. Uh, but you've got to be in the word of God. You've got to be in prayer. Uh, you've got to be in that close relationship with him for him to guide you into all truth.